listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you making out, sir? All is well. All is well. It's uh, We're recording this on a sunny summer Friday in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. It almost doesn't get better than that. That's true. That's true. And uh, 17th straight day, no cases, you know, like not to brag or anything, but Nova Scotia is doing all right. Not as well as the uh, place where our guest is from, though. That, that's true. It's uh, fairly uh, uncommon, probably, to be uh, bringing people together for a podcast and everybody's uh, region doing as well as they are uh, uh, with this uh, pandemic. But um, uh, let's not make this a health uh, update. Don't you find like, it's almost like the weather now? Everything has to start with how's your COVID-19 uh, stats? How's the weather? <laughs> and then you can get... Um, uh, look... Uh, but we probably should spend a bit of time talking about the um, uh, the place our guest is from. Uh, so we hang out here up on the uh, uh, North Atlantic and uh, the east coast of Canada and a little uh, province called Nova Scotia. And a much smaller province even than us, uh, right next door, is the lovely, stunning Prince Edward Island. And I bring that up not just to try to get you all to go visit someday and spend some of your hard-earned money there. Um, but uh, I bring it up because, of course, it's relevant to our guest story and the fact that he's been able to build uh, a manufacturing enterprise and, a, uh, frankly, a, a marketing machine. Um, Content empire, if you will. Yes, uh, with six million YouTube views and counting, and uh, and he's done it all from uh, from Prince Edward Island. So, uh, I think this is a fantastic story. Let's uh, let's introduce today's guest. Absolutely. So, joining us today is Darren Mitchell. Darren is the CEO and owner of Trout River Industries. Welcome to the Coolering, Darren. Awesome. Great to be here, Carmen and Jeff. Uh, you know, anytime we get to talk to the outside world and see other humans these days, it's. Uh, it's truly a treat. So it's good to see both of you. And, uh, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, um, we are in the middle of nowhere. And when you look at most maps, uh, sometimes the place we live doesn't even exist. So uh, we've had to be very, very creative since day one. I'm, I'm kind of picturing when you say, I first heard you say that, Darren. I'm kind of picturing because there was a restaurant in my hometown growing up where people would come from all over the world and they would put a pin on the global, on the, on the world map of where they were from, right? And it was proudly displayed. And I could just picture you standing there not being able to find a place to put this pin. This is recurring visual, as you mentioned. That it's not even on a map, you know? Yeah, well, as long as other people get to find us, that's a good day. <laughs> exactly. And on a map of any scale, that can look more like an apostrophe or an ink smudge. You know, it's, it's literally that small. <clears throat> but, so Darren, why don't you tell us a bit about um, uh, Trout River and just uh, what, you, what you guys do, and then we'll dive into the marketing machine you've created. Yeah, perfect. So uh, Trout River is uh, a little more than 20 years old right now. Uh, we make uh, large highway trailers that compete in the heavy industrial space. So uh, our products are out there. They're building roads. They're hauling agricultural products. They're in the mining industry. They're in the waste industry. So picture uh, big products that are hauling bulk material all around the landscape. 
Um, and the unique feature of these trailers is that instead of a dump trailer that goes up in the air and the material falls out of the back, these trailers have a conveyor belt in the bottom that unloads the material. So you don't have to worry about something falling over. You can unload in buildings and you can unload in a, a variety of sites that you don't have to worry about that safety issue. So we promote ourselves a lot on the innovation and the ability to do more work in more places in a safe way. So that's a, a bit of the, uh, the trailer itself and the company currently does business uh, all over the world selling to companies that are involved in those types of activities. How many countries would you be in now, uh, Darren? Um, we're currently, ah, that's a really good question. We're on all continents except uh, Antarctica. Um, I, I'm gonna try and get a trailer there. If I could get one to the moon today, I would. Um, but we're in uh, a few South American countries. We're all across Europe. We're in the Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, and of course, all across North America. And uh, of course, we've uh, mentioned a bit about the, uh, the content marketing empire that you've been busy creating. Uh, it, it, um, it reminds me, frankly, a bit of um, Seth Godin always talked about blogging and content as a kind of a 10-year overnight success story. <laughs> and as I look back at your YouTube channel and how long you've been doing this, um, well, that's the story that it tells is, you know, 10, 11 years ago, um, you started investing in video. Um, and here we are 6 million views later. What, um, I guess, what what kind of triggered that? Uh uh, did, was it just a matter of your location and we need to find a way to tell our story in another way? Was there some other uh, aha moment that drove this strategy? We knew since day one we were the underdog. Um, in this industry that we live in, companies are usually comfortable with very low margins that they make up with in high volume. And those uh, competitors that we have are located next to their supply chains, they're located next to the customers, and they're on traditional logistical routes. We had none of those things going for us, and, and of course capital, which is always interesting to business. Um, so we had none of those things going for us, so we didn't actually have, we looked at it this way, we didn't have a lot to lose. Um, we spent a lot of time working with our customers and understanding who they are and what they need. So what we did day one is we started a video strategy to let customers know who we were and just as important who we weren't so that we were putting feelers out to the industry saying, listen, if you like who you're seeing, if you like the message that's coming across and you think that there were people that you can work with, uh, give us a shot because you probably know how we're gonna act behind the scenes not after the big deal is done. So it proved a very valuable strategy for us growing the business globally and finding new markets uh, because people were finding us and not finding our competitors. And what they were finding is these people we may want to do business with. So on the customer side, it created a very interesting situation where if people consumed enough of these small videos that we were putting out, which are some of them are educational, some of them are tongue in cheek, some of them are just flat out silly. 
what what we found was is when people were contacting us we had already almost got past that trust barrier of who are you and uh, why should I believe you? They consumed enough of that content so that when we got to that space, it was almost a very safe space when we started dealing with those customers. So that video strategy turned out to be very uh, beneficial for us as a company and we got to be who we were. And customers that didn't wanna do business with us obviously didn't contact us. Customers that did want to do business with us, we made sure we were able to be found by them. And surprisingly enough, there's still 7.8 billion people in the world today. Some of them may want to do business with you. I have to think too. I mean, one of the things that you've done with your video strategy is it seems you're really not afraid to just be goofy and, you know, personable and who you are. And, you know, you're in an industry that generally eschews that sort of persona. You know, it, it's not really something typical that you would see in a construction and trucking and uh, um, kind of marketplace. How, how much of that is your personality coming through into the business versus like your overall team? Like, are you driving this? So it, was there any reluctance on, on behalf of your team to kind of participate at first? Um, I'll give you a really good example. Uh, we did, uh, my, um, my sales manager, I finally convinced him to do a video recently. And I said, if you, if you just, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to be yourself. So it took him, I think it took him seven hours to produce a one minute video on, Hey, here I am. I want to do business with you. And he, he absolutely hated me for it. And he said, listen, this is the worst thing you've ever made me do in my entire career. And he had a whopping 147 views. The one, and he was trying to prove to me, this, this is an ineffective strategy. I didn't like it. I don't want to do it again until we get a phone call from an Elon Musk company saying, we're all sitting around watching your video right now. You look like somebody we may want to do business with. So within 48 hours, we're in Los Angeles, California, and we do a deal with them that they're saying, we would like your help with an engineering project. And, you know, obviously that's something for us to be proud of, but none of that would have happened unless we were leaving ourselves out there to be found in a way that felt comfortable for them to find us. So the results, it's, I think, speak for themselves. And the best part is in the marketing world, I think in the end, you just get to be yourself. I, uh, I can't help but this is going to be like the second reference to the old Web 2.0 days. The first one was Seth Godin. Um, and uh, the second being Hugh McLeod of gapingvoid.com. And um, Hugh was kind of the Internet's cartoonist for an awfully long while there. And um, uh, he had this concept that he called the porous membrane. He said, when you allow employees, um, this was back in the Scoble days of employee blogs and things of that sort. And he talked about social media and content production as, as kicking holes in the barrier that separates a company from those they serve. And in some way, it kind of opens up um, who the company really is to the market. And in so doing, has the exact impact that you're talking about. The people that it resonates with show up, and the people that don't like it don't. But um, 
over time you just get to be yourself because everyone else is already taken and that's pretty cool you know uh, carmen i have i suggested doing this to almost every other manufacturer that i've met with and usually you get this knee-jerk reaction of if i did it i could look stupid and i'm going but i just asked you to be yourself let's think about that for a second and when you when you get over your ego if you can get over your ego because i think that's the thing that's holding people back and you actually get to be yourself there's a lot of really good business people out there who have really good solutions but they tend to step up, take this step away from their marketing. They should actually be their marketing. You can't abdicate the role of marketing to someone else to come in and save you. There's lots of good resources and organizations to help you do that. But if you can't deliver that message to your customer, then what are you doing in private if you can't do it in public? So again, I would suggest to anybody out there in the, in the manufacturing side, you know, reach out to organizations that can help you deliver that message, but don't abdicate that message to someone else. That's great advice. I'd be curious um, because some of this is a bit like religion when you started. You had to kind of bit, you had to believe in it before you saw some results. How long did you have to uh, believe in it before seeing some initial indications that led you know in those early days led you to think, man, this is this dog will hunt? The um, early days is, I think, when people started carrying cell phones. And I'll share a story with you. I was in, a, I got a phone call from a company in Toronto and the uh they said we want to meet with you and we want to discuss this uh, project we're working on it's a multi-million dollar project i heard multi-million i was on the next airplane i'm going to make the deal so i'm there at uh five to seven in the morning and the meeting starts at seven o'clock they bring me in at seven o'clock and the purchasing manager is sitting there typing on his phone and can't make eye contact with me and i thought you know what, I woke up early, I got an airplane, I came and seen you, and you can't even make eye contact with me. I'm getting a little frustrated right, with you right now because I want to help problem solve and talk about the project. He said, if I do business with you, are you going to screw it up? <laughs> I said, no, that's why I got on an airplane today. And I want to make this clear for any of the listeners that are out there, this guy still hasn't made eye contact with me yet. <laughs> And he said, how will I know you don't screw it up? And I said, if we screw it up, we'll come and fix it the next day to make sure you keep it running. And I said, is something wrong with this situation? Because I think I'm missing something. And he looked up at me and he said, no, I'm watching your video right now. And the aha moment that I had was he trusts the little man on the screen more than he does the warm blooded human standing in front of him. And what I couldn't get across to him was, I'm the guy who put the information that you're currently looking at right now. I walked out the door with $2.6 million in purchase orders. Hmm. And he only made eye contact with me on the way out the door. So that was a huge aha moment to say, your digital content is almost to the, like I, I would suggest for a lot of your listeners today, it's almost to the point where it's more real than human. 
And if you think about it, all your all the business that you're doing, you have salespeople coming and going, they're literally sitting on their keyboard or on their phone typing, using your digital content as a reference check after you leave the room. So if they're going to do a reference check on you as a business, why don't you be the one who puts the information there that they're using the, <laughs> to do the reference check itself? Mm. And I think so many people are missing that, that this has become more true, the digital content that is. The digital content has become more true than almost the human. And you can argue with it. You can disagree with it. You can say you want to live in a different world. You can do that all day long. But if you ignore it, you're going to you're going to become somebody else's food. <laughs> so I, I understand we're doing this interview in the time of uh, COVID-19 when not a lot of people are getting on planes to do sales calls. Um, however, before that, um, your sales organization, how many people do you have in your sales team? Uh, directly on my sales team, I have three people. Uh, and globally, we would have 126 salespeople through our dealer network. And how many of them are uh, seeing customers in person versus uh, remotely or digitally in a normal course of events? Uh, previously, it would be 100% uh, visit, um, but there's probably, as of at this moment during the pandemic, there's only 10% that are actually getting out there. Mm. So what we're doing is we're continuing as the OEM to produce original content that we're either broadcasting out ourselves or we're sending directly to those salespeople to say, while you're at home, broadcast, rebroadcast to your customer base. So we're actually giving them a reason to get out of bed every day. Have you actually taken uh, and even double down further on the amount of content you're producing since the pandemic started, or is it still the same pace? Yeah, we're uh, we're doing biz uh, we're doing videos in other languages right now, uh, and we're probably doing two to three videos a week. And some of them are hits, and some of them are um, misses. But again, in terms of how many views we have, but again, I look at it this way because some people say, well, if I spend all this money and we do this big video, what happens if nobody sees it? You know, digital content lasts forever and it's global. So everything we see is an asset of leaving out breadcrumbs that can be found by our audience. So we know the more that we produce, the better it is because we're remaining relevant for people's lives, especially when they're stuck at home. Do you see um, uh, any amount of this... Uh... Uh, shift this remote shift being more permanent post COVID. I mean, you said yourself that in some way that person on the screen is more real than the in-person interaction. And I just can't help but wonder, man, what are the implications of that? I would only be repeating myself, but I would encourage any of your listeners don't stop. You know, you have this wonderful at this particular moment, you have this wonderful opportunity where some of your customer base maybe working from home. So what a great opportunity, you know, they're there. It's a great opportunity to reach them. And going forward, what a great opportunity to form a relationship with, uh, you know, even their phone, because you know their phone is glued at their hip. They can't live without it. So it's a great way to sneak into someone's brain space without being that pushy knock on the door salesperson. 
Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Now, Darren, you, um, I mean, look, um, uh, this uh, content uh, marketing machine is um, has been uh, well-oiled at this point. Um uh, and uh, I, I don't want to take away from the technology and innovation of your uh, trailers. They're very good. Uh, but you're not the only person in the live bottom trailer business. How did your competitors react to this? Or how have they continued to react to your uh, sales and marketing approach? Do you see any kind of Me Too happening out there? Or can they not just get their head around it? Um, so my pre-COVID-19 answer to that would be is that we usually find that customers use, they're educating themselves with digital content. And if we're the ones that are supplying it, I have had salespeople from my competitors say, I really wish you would stop doing that because customers are asking me questions and they seem to know more than I do. And it seems like you're the guy that's putting the, those thoughts in their heads. So what a great way to educate and build relationships when people see you as the source of data. And that's something that we have to be very, very careful of as an organization that we're putting out good, high quality data because we recognize those, that's how people are educating themselves. So that would be a, a pre-COVID and currently uh, we even, I believe today that both my US competitors are closed until September We've even converted three of our office staff to outbound sales calls, and we're providing our competitors, customers with service replacement parts, and God forbid, if they need the product, we can sell them that too. But we want to be the ones who are seen as uh, always there for the customer, no matter what the situation. I think one of the the other things that's really interesting that uh, that you're doing as well is that not only, especially given as we talked about earlier on in the show, where you're located being such a remote place and not necessarily where you would expect to find a manufacturer of of large, um, you know, trailers and, and things like that. You've talked a bit about how important it is to use some of the same kinds of methodologies to sell to your suppliers that you use to sell to your customers. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yep. Um, in the in the digital, even in the sales, let's. I, I love selling as well, so I don't want to leave that apart from the marketing. Um, but generally we think on on the marketing side as marketers that we're producing information that will cause a sale which is a very almost linear approach to looking at your sales process and that's a it's a good thing by the way but i think when you're able to use those digital assets that you're producing we sometimes forget to look the other way in our supply chain that's feeding the company and what I mean by that is there's lots of companies out there globally that you should be doing business with that can add value to your business, 
but sometimes you're not allowing yourself to be found. And I'll give a really good example of this is that plastic fenders today, on average, you would probably look at $160 retail. We're now being found by other um, uh, fender manufacturers globally because of the digital, the same digital assets that we're producing. What's happening now is now we're buying them for 30, I believe it's $32 a fender. And sometimes we're now even selling those to our competitors and in places that, and we're getting them out of England. So places you wouldn't even traditionally think of doing business with that digital aspect of the marketing is now opening up multiple supply chains in non-traditional places. And again, it's just producing good content that allows you to be found by the industry, whether it's direct to customer, whether it's through your dealer network, or whether it's to your supply chain. And the other interesting thing about, now that comes to mind, the other interesting thing about producing that digital asset, if you do it well, you now have, so we would have 110 employees at two separate factories. That's just uh, people directly on the payroll. What happens is, is we even involve employees in some of our, and we mentioned this before, in some of our digital assets, those employees are now showing those digital assets to their families when they go home at night. And now the family is becoming part of the business in a way they want to become part of the business as well, saying, you know, there's my mom, she's in charge of the, um, the plumbing division and we're so proud of her. And she's actually now kind of a spokesperson for the company. And what a great way to get the, the company involved when you're allowing the, the home to participate when they're at home. This has been, uh, I, I love the fact that um, this strategy has had some, uh, almost those kind of unintended consequences on the supply chain side and elsewhere that people don't always think about. I wonder, you know, you've been at this an awful long while now, Darren. Um, what do you uh, know now, 10 years on or more, uh, that uh, you wish you knew when you started? I think we would have been a little more brave. I think we wouldn't have, we, we probably would have produced more and did it more often. And just two examples on the global side, what it's done for us, because again, that digital asset just continues to produce globally and in places you never thought of, and it continues to produce for years at a time is uh, one, uh, we had a group come and see us from the Middle East. It was probably the biggest deal we ever did. They flew to Prince Edward Island. They said, listen, we want to do business with you, and you're the experts. Really? <laughs> and they went, yeah, we've seen all your content. You're probably the only people in the world who do this. I mean, yes, yes, we are, and we're pretty darn good at it. <laughs> So we had uh, we we had a great relationship, and again, probably the biggest deal we would have had in the history of the company. But you wouldn't traditionally think of that because in the marketing world, you kind of have a bubble or your your parameters and what you operate in. But again, we're just trying to be found by the rest of the world, and we just recently signed up our newest partner because we've even started licensing in other countries. And our newest partner, so we have partners in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, um, Middle East now, and our newest partner in Japan also found us digitally. 
Um, they're now producing Trout River trailers uh, in Japan, which is awesome. And they are now paying us for our intellectual property. But again, it's just, you have an asset, which is your digital asset, is creating all of these other benefits for your business that you wouldn't think of if you were thinking of your business in those traditional lines. The world is open to any of us today. And I find that incredibly empowering, but I also find it some days almost a little threatening because if we're not going to do it, someone else will, who's also in a remote location. I think what's really, really cool about that is that you know many of the people listening to this podcast and, and the manufacturers that uh, that we posted on the show and, and other you know entities like that they have an opportunity to do what you're doing you know and perhaps be the only one in their in their niche in their vertical um, that is producing that kind of content. That's not really an option necessarily that you know marketing agencies is a lot harder to do because everybody's producing content all the time. You know, and uh, standing out in that sea of content is a little bit harder. I mean, it, it's almost like as a manufacturer, you have an exceptional opportunity to truly be unique um, in your space if you're just willing to take that risk. Hmm. I would love to be a purple cow globally. It's a far better it's a far better spot to be than a local commodity. And I think a lot of uh, manufacturers today, what they're finding is you get stuck in this weird treadmill effect of, you know, it's about optimization, it's about costs, it's about, you know, even sometimes I'm thinking best manufacturers get caught off guard by getting stuck in this mindset of best practice. And best practice teaches us if yesterday we did it in five seconds, today we do it in three and a half. But the problem with that mindset in a leadership role within your business is you may be on this pathway to getting really, really good at something that nobody cares about. And I really think that's a dangerous position for companies to put themselves in versus why wouldn't we want to be pretty good at what we do, but find partners around the world who see the value in having that relationship with us versus dealing locally where we keep getting the snot pounded out of us and wondering why we come home tired and miserable every night, wondering why we keep doing what we're doing but not getting the results at the end of the day. And half the time it's our own thinking that drove us to that point. It seems to me, Darren, that the think you know, what you just articulated is that the thinking that it takes to run a a successful and highly efficient manufacturing operation is exactly the opposite kind of thinking it takes to do the marketing and leadership of said organization in an effective way. I mean, you even earlier suggested in some way that it's best not to think of the cause and effect uh, linear approach with the content that you're creating. Um, uh, two questions. One, how did you convince yourself to think that way? Because that might be something that people could just tap into. It would be helpful. Um, and I guess if you don't use a yardstick of anticipated results to decide what content you're going to create, what yardstick do you use? How do you, how do you come up with the ideas of what you're going to create videos for and rank them and decide, yes, this is where we're going to spend our time this week? Um, is there any secret sauce there you can let us in on? <laughs> so I got to make sure I remember both questions. But on the first one, 
I had a much larger manufacturer come and visit me before uh, COVID-19 broke. And they said, we want to learn all about your lean manufacturing practices. And I said, I can show you that we're good at it. I can show you that we're very visual people. I can show you how flow works. I can show you how we maintain our agility. But is that what you're really asking me? And they said, well, if we get better at it, we're going to get more orders. <laughs> and I just said, all right, I got to cut the ship for five seconds. If I walked into your business today and I ordered 50% of what you build during the year, would you take the order? Yeah. Then why aren't we talking more about that? Because sometimes in that leadership position, you almost fool yourself into thinking, I need to get it perfect. And getting it perfect is a complete disillusionment, is that a word, of the organization. You're lying to everyone because getting good at something means it's very predictable. And that causes, I think, some people in leadership positions, it causes them comfort knowing I can predict the outcome. What I'm asking companies to do today is put themselves out there in ways they never thought possible. And you'll be found by people who like you and emotionally want to do business with the people who are delivering that message. And if you can do that, the results are absolutely incredible. And it keeps you from getting stuck in that rotten treadmill effect where you come home late at night and tired and you miss lunch and you miss dinner and you're going, I work my ass off and I'm not quite sure there's anything left at the end of the day. And tomorrow doesn't seem much more exciting. I don't want that life. I don't want my business to go through that process. I'm not saying we haven't made mistakes. I'm not saying we haven't done things wrong, but an attitude towards the business of, we're gonna measure what we're going to measure and at the end of the day, that's good enough. I wanna know about all the stuff that I don't know about. I'm going to save the measuring for my management team. And they're really, really good at it. And I'm glad I have them. But what they want me to do is be out there and leading the growth of the company so they know they get a paycheck tomorrow. And I think that's extremely important for all businesses to remember when they're leading or are they managing. And this, the whole digital connection in your marketing is a great way to open doors that, again, I'm repeating myself, you may not even have known existed yesterday. What was the second question, Carmen? Oh, man, you expect me to remember that? Like how do you how do you prioritize and think if if it's not about oh well we think that this video is going to make the cash register ring tomorrow if that's not the lens that you're looking at it through what lens are you looking at it through how do you make those decisions? Uh, internally, we always look internally at the things that we know we do well, and then we try and highlight those things through the videos. So, uh, really good example, uh, I have a one of my guys in my service team. I know he's really really good at explaining things as if you were buying a used car. So if you went to a used car lot and you were saying what works, what doesn't work, I know he's really good at that because he's really into vehicles. I asked him one day, would you, if somebody was buying a used trailer that we produce, what kind of questions should they be asking themselves? And he went, why don't I just do it like I do with the used cars that I buy and sell? And I went, perfect. Use the same analogy and be authentic but apply it now to the trailers. And we got huge response from that, from people saying, what, th that's really good information. And you're now even teaching me how to buy used equipment that you've sold. I now trust mm -hmm. you. And if always going back to understanding what our strengths are and being authentic at the end of the day, 
is extremely important because in our industry, people can smell bullshit a mile away. So you have to work very, very hard on making sure that you're not so well scripted, you forget to be a human being in the process. Quite. Uh, it's a, you know, I think that being authentic is, uh, is such a huge thing. Um, do you have a plan and a, and a content calendar of, of what you're intending to do next? Or is it whatever just kind of strikes your fancy at that particular point? Um, there's uh, one of the biggest projects that I'm working on right now internally is um, not only digital content in terms of video assets that we're producing, we've actually developed a black box for the trailer. And what that does is for the last 15, 20 years, they've had uh, data mining devices on trucks that produce them to satellite that allow um, trucking companies to run their businesses, but they've never had that technology on trailers. So we've developed that device internally over the last two years and we're just to the point in time where we've gone through our testing and we're going to launch that commercially. So what the outcome is, is if the trailer runs off 10 loads a day, owners get alerts to their phones about how many loads have gone off. And if the trailer gets up to 2000 loads within so many months, they now get a phone call from my service team saying, you may want to take a look at something. You may want to look at the following small replacement or wear parts as you go forward. So the digital space is absolutely incredible for forming. What I'm trying to get at is forming meaningful relationships to allow you in, a, in an authentic way to become part of your customer's business. So that technology of still maintaining a digital connection we're not only doing it as just producing videos and video assets, we're now digitally connected to the customer's business. So if he or she is sitting on a beach in Florida, we're still gonna be in contact with that individual who's running that business forever. So that's the next big thing we're releasing. Well, look, I, uh, I look forward to watching. I think uh, if, if, I had to, if I had to bet, uh, my money's on uh, Trout River. So Darren, thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience and expertise uh, with the cooler ring today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. You guys are doing a great job, by the way. And that's not uh, tongue in cheek kind of stuff. You really are because a, we know a small step forward in the manufacturing space can make huge results to bottom lines and futures of your customers. So what you're doing is great and keep getting that message out because you can make a huge impact in people's lives with what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.